the fire within podcast you need a sustainable plan the right mindset and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within just like the phoenix you can burn your old habits never turn back and emerge completely anew there are no shortcuts welcome fire within community this is the fire within podcast where we talk about all things health fitness and nutrition related i'm your host brandon with my co-host I forgot your name, Joe. Catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Today's my birthday, so it's a super special episode. Happy birthday. Thank you. And we have a special guest today. We have Jared Boyette, fitness extraordinaire. He's got so many muscles. Uh, I wish. <laughs> I'm, wor- I'm still working on them. No, he's definitely uh, got more muscles than your average Joe. Right here. <laughs> no offense, Joe. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. I think it was a year ago we we ran into each other at the store and I said how much I wanted to get on the podcast. It seems like it was yesterday, but but glad I could finally get on here. Yeah, I'm excited. Jared and I met at Lifetime Fitness, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think very highly of that company. You still work there today, right? Yep. Still work there. Strength and conditioning coach, personal trainer at Lifetime. August was five years, so I've been there for, for some good pros and cons, but overall, it's a great company to work for. They looked after me, probably one of the best companies I've been at. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it there. Tell us a little bit about maybe how you got into fitness and training. I grew up playing sports ever since I was a young kid. Played any and every sport growing up. Nobody in my family was really into fitness. I got into the weight room when I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school and just absolutely fell in love with it. I was that smaller kid, never overweight, but I was just really small. I think my freshman year I weighed 98 pounds, soaking wet. Holy um, crap. I was like 5'1", five 5'2", five and I got into the weight room, fell in love with it. I started putting on some muscle mass and really learning about it, at, even at that young of an age. And I realized how good of an outlet it was to mentally and physically. And it helped me with everything I did academically and athletically in sports. So yeah, that's how I got into fitness. Had no aspirations, no dreams to be a personal trainer. Uh, w- I originally went to school for something completely different. I went to school for criminal justice. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I changed my major like three, it seemed three times. And then I started trying to figure out what I wanted to do exactly. And I took a health and fitness course, fell in love with it. I love working out already. I played sports, took a health and fitness course and realized that, wow, this is something I could really learn and go to school for. Some of my friends were going to school for the same thing. They were in physical therapy and then it just kind of went from there. When you first started strength training, did you ever make any mistakes or get any injuries? And then, man, I should have done this different. Growing up, I had some really good coaches, I will say. Most of my coaches were CSCS, so they had a really good background. When I was 17 years old, I was overtraining just because I was young, dumb, and stupid, and I was overtraining, and I hurt my back. And I wrestled at the time. That was my main sport in high school. I was a wrestler. Uh, It gave me problems all throughout my junior year. I worked around it and did recovery techniques And because I was so young, I could get through it and push through the pain. I would say that's probably the only main injury that I had when I was younger. And of course, it's healed now. I was just lifting way too much, deadlifting, squatting too heavy, probably improper form, trying to keep up with some of my buddies that were bigger. But other than that, no. Yeah. This could be a good segue into something we were talking about before we started the recording. So uh, I was messing around with trying to lift heavier and tried Valsalva's maneuver. Yeah. And we've talked about this on the show before. Yeah, I um, remember that. And <laughs> so it was great. I added a ton of weight to my squat and deadlift, but then I got a hemorrhoid uh, yeah, from it. Never fun. No, it was a miserable six weeks. Not fun at all. 
I just remember the proctologist going, ooh, that's a bad one. That's not what you want to hear <laughs> from a guy who sees these all day, every day. Yeah, <laughs> so right? Like, yeah, it was pretty bad. For the listeners that don't know what that is, that's when you hold your breath during the lift and try and create intra-abdominal pressure to mm -hmm. help support the core. It's very effective at lifting heavier. What is your take on it? And would you recommend it, not recommend it? And how do you teach it? I do teach it. I don't teach it a lot. Uh, I, I try to keep it. I'm all into the KISS theory. Keep it simple. And, um, I teach proper breathing. That's the main thing for me. But as far as, uh, valgus maneuver, I don't really coach it as much. I believe in it and I practice it myself, but it, it takes a lot of practice really. And like you said, if you do it improper, you can have some issues from it. I've even seen people come very close to passing out, if not pass out yeah. as many times I've been in the weight room. It, as long as a person's breathing properly, inhaling, exhaling, for example, on a back squat, if they're inhaling on the way down, exhaling on the way up, keep just that simple, they should be good enough. Uh, if they have any trouble with that, they're probably doing too much weight in general. Yeah. Um, it takes years of weightlifting to get used to a valgus maneuver. Uh, that was really important what you said about uh, with the squat. A lot of people would think to inhale on the way down, but because mm -hmm. the intended target is the quads right. and the quads aren't contracting till the way up, that's why you would put the exhale on the way up. And that's confusing for a lot of people when they lift. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime you're shortening the muscle, contracting the intended muscle, that's the best time to exhale. And the purpose is it gets the diaphragm out of the way so that the deeper transverse abdominus, which is like your weight belt in your core, allows it to cinch tighter and give you more stability. And now the, what's different from Valsalvis maneuver is you would almost hold your breath during that portion. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You hold it for a split second. I've seen guys, I've even trained athletes before they hold it a little bit too long and they have to sit down a while afterwards. You just not, get dizzy. They get extremely dizzy. And it's not even necessarily the weight. It's because they held it a little bit too long. It takes a lot of practice. Yeah. You really have to know how long to hold it. If not, you're going to be dizzy for a while if not pass out. Yeah. Then two episodes ago, we had on a pelvic floor physical therapist. And her point was that if there's any weakness in your pelvic floor anatomy, then that could be the issue, which I think was probably more of my issue. I think I right. had something off with one of those deep intramuscular whatever. Yeah. So that could also be part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. could be for sure. At your own risk. <laughs> At your own risk. <laughs> yeah. It was I, a fun I, staff meeting though, where we just talked about my hemorrhoid. At least you didn't poop your pants. At like, least I didn't poop my pants. You could have got a hemorrhoid and pooped your pants. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been crappy, man. Now tell me a little bit about uh, your kind of the clients you work with without giving away anything personal, but yeah. But, and what are some of their goals, struggles, mm -hmm. and then how do you go about getting them to where they want to get? So I work with any and everybody. I think my youngest client right now is 13 years old. My oldest client is 85, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And all of them have different goals. I love working with any and everybody. I, I don't have a favorite client. Of course, we all like to work with athletes and individuals who work incredibly hard and are easy to train or what we would consider easy to train because you don't have to give as many cues. I, I enjoy throughout my day of going from a, a client who needs to do corrective movements who's very sedentary and then going to an elite athlete right after. That's what, that's what keeps me going. I, re I really enjoy that. And I constantly switch it up by doing that too. And it keeps me learning and, and challenging myself as a coach. But I'd say most of my clientele is the classic strength and conditioning. Of course, we're adding in corrective movements in there. We're adding in your basic strength movements, whether it's a back squat or a goblet squat, a deadlift, whether it's with a kettlebell or it was or it's with a barbell, but classic strength movements with conditioning in there. I'd say that's my main focus with clients. And of course, the, everybody's goals varies. 
And when you have so many different and various clients, it's hard to say what you really specialize in when you meet those clients' needs. Yeah. Let's say you had a weight loss client. How many times a week do you think they would need to strength train to see significant change? It really all depends. If they're if they've been sedentary, I always say start out with one, if not two times a week. I've been a strength coach for 10 years. The number one thing is I don't want to get them discouraged. I want them to really enjoy walking into the weight room, walking into the gym and get something out of it and say, I feel accomplished today. And I know it's different for each and every person, but I'd say always start out with one and two and we should always be uh, prepared to progress. Yeah. Whether it's two weeks or, or two months, constantly progressing. But I always say, hey, let's get one time this week. And once we get that for a couple of weeks, let's move it up to two. Oh, you got two now. You're feeling great. Not much muscle soreness and you're getting stronger. Let's move it up to three. It's gradually work up from in all, I would say three times a week is good for strength training. Yeah. And then if you wanted to do more, maybe adding more corrective recovery type days exactly. or like yeah. a conditioning day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that makes sense because it's easy to overtrain. It is. And I think we've all been there before. We've learned it the hard way. Get my knee uh, surgery. Yeah. We've learned it the hard way. I've had injuries. I tore my AC joint, had some minor back injuries, but it's just as simple as from overtraining. Yeah. I was training six, seven days a week. Yeah. On like Hercules and you just can't do it. It will catch up with you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause when you're in the gym, you're breaking down muscle tissue. It's only during recovery. Does it grow back? Yep. So if, if it's too much workout, not enough recovery, eventually, like you said, it catches up to you. Now the one exception might be like a split routine if you're doing one muscle group a day, but even still there should probably be a rest day at least once a week. Now this is good segue into, um, this episode airing right at Newton, right around new year's. January 4th. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I think people jump out of the gate and they're like, yeah, man, four days a week, I'm going to kill it. Yeah. And which lasts two to three weeks. And uh, some people think the goal is soreness. And I think yeah. a little bit of soreness is okay, but you should be recovering in a few days. If you're new to exercise, you'll probably experience something called DOMS, delayed onset of muscle soreness. So that means uh, the day you work out, you may feel pretty good. Sometimes even the day after you may feel pretty good. And then day three, all of a sudden, bam, it hits you. Yeah. Um, and it, that's different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And for me with DOMS, that's really common. And I know you've seen it with numerous clients. When I first got into the fitness industry with DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. I mean, you train a client and they get sore, but then they don't want to come back, especially if they were sedentary. So my number one goal is to do strength training, get them as strong as possible without them soreness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's really hard to do, of course. But especially starting out just so they're not discouraged. Yeah. Yep. And that, that's not to say a little bit of soreness is a bad thing, but the right, goal exactly. shouldn't be pummel yourself. Yeah, Can't my, get out of bed for three days after that training session. My very first, one of my very first training sessions, I had no background, like nothing. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, 244 pounds, pre-diabetic. I was a band director and they put me through like a CrossFit style workout oh, man. with slam ball wall squats. You're here today. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad, man. I couldn't walk. That's what started your hemorrhoid. <laughs> it's actually from that it just came out years later <laughs> it's like a linchpin problem yeah. hey fire with a nation has this ever happened to you you go online to find a quick recipe for mashed potatoes but first you have to hear about grandfather's farm in 1929 when i was a boy <laughs> the first time you had a potato and like six and a half chapters later you get to the ingredient list Drives me nuts. So me and Joe have worked to solve that issue for you. If you head to firewithinnf.com and check out the recipe section, healthy recipes, following the Fire Within way. And it's just the recipe, no blog. You're welcome. You'll find recipes like steak chimichurri. There's a bananas foster 
smoothie recipe. There's a sourdough French toast, lots of healthy things, make your own ranch dip and, and tons more. So head to firewithinnf.com, check out the recipe section and enjoy. Did you know that Fire Within works with companies and organizations that might benefit from a health course? Brandon's health course, Health Transformation, can be applied to your company and custom tailored to meet your company's needs. You could supply it as something from your HR department or just a gift by giving access to everyone in your company to the course. If that's you and you're interested, go to firewithinnf.com on the homepage. Look for corporate partnerships. Oh man, I think I think a big uh, piece of what we do is helping clients figure out mindset mm-hmm. and keeping them on target. We've heard find your why and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about finding the right mindset towards your exercise and fitness goals. And what are some of the things you talk about with your clients or even with yourself? I'm all into keeping it very simple. The more simple they are, the more you're going to achieve your goals. Now, don't take that the wrong way. I love progressions. I think we should always progress, but have basic easy, obtainable goals, write them down. And I would just say three points, whether it's lose five pounds or or 20 pounds, whatever your goal may be, let's get to the first step first. Doing that and then obviously staying consistent. You can do everything right for one day, just one day, and you're not going to reach your goal. But if you do it for one month or one year, then you're going to really see see change and, and you're going to reach your goals, depending on your goals, of course. But that's what I really try to instill in my clients and even in myself. Just stay consistent, set a goal, stay consistent. And then the third thing, work hard to achieve that. Yeah. You guys have both been personal trainers for a long time. Is anybody naturally muscular or is it just people are consistent? I have a mix of both. Yeah. I had one client one time and this has been years ago. I think it was at Lifetime actually, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, it was probably my first year there that this kid came in for an onboarding session. He was in his early twenties and this kid was really lean and muscular. He said he had it worked out in two years and the kid was just a genetic freak. He already had muscles. I think he was 8% body fat. Holy crap. And he had it worked out in two years. I'm like, if I didn't work out for two years, it'd be 80% right now. Yeah, the best I ever got in my life doing, and this was doing two-a-days, crushing my supplements was 8.4%. Wow. And after six months, I, I realized, that. yeah, like I look great, but I was yeah. freaking miserable, man. <laughs> I get like hangry and like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like screaming at the department head. <laughs> Showing chairs across the gym. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, but, just... but, but, but now I like lost it. And I realized it's because my blood sugar was yeah. so low. We've like, all been there in the fitness, like, Big fitness enthusiast. I feel like I still get. (laughs) (laughs) So what about the guy that's naturally not fit? Like the skinny kid, does he, is he five steps behind or is she five steps behind in the sense of they're going to have to work out for three years to start to be half of what the naturally fit people are in terms of gaining muscle. Yeah. In terms of gaining muscle. Yeah. I say it all really depends. It, it depends on what goes day to day, week to week. I think it could be a Slow, progression. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Hard. That's the classic hard gainer. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to get to is like, if I think of a sport like basketball, I think there's natural talent. But then I think about uh, resistance training and I think you learn the right form. You learn the right uh, way to do it and the way that your body likes to do it. And it feels like a very learnable skill where it's like a, a little kid. You'd be like, we always tell little kids, you can be anything you want. It's like, probably not like, <laughs> right. I have a natural gift set, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so all the kids that want to grow like up Thor. and be natural sports guys yeah. or girls, they, they're, yeah. 
it's I a very small percentage. Yeah. I think with consistency, yeah. anything should be achievable. But I do think if you're naturally going to be a skinny kid and a hard gainer, it is going to be a longer road. Yeah. But it's going to demand more consistency. Um, and nutrition is going to be huge. I'll give an example. I completely forgot about this earlier, Joe, but I started training a client once we came back to Lifetime after COVID, once the gym opened back up. And the kid I started training, he was a senior in high school, six foot tall, 135 pounds, six foot tall, senior in high school, and came to me, trained three times a week, strength training, one hour sessions, three times a week. I gave him additional programming to do. It's been about a year and a half later, he weighs 185, 190 pounds. Wow. He's only put on 5% body fat, but he's put on like probably 30 pounds muscle. of muscle mass. But he did everything. It was just like the, the blueprint was written out for him and he did everything yeah. very specific. The meal plan following, making sure he got in his calories, if not a little bit more uh, strength training three, that, four that's times like a the week. unicorn client. And obviously this too, Brandon, genetics plays a huge factor. Whereas somebody else could have done that same blueprint, maybe a little bit different based off their needs and only put on 30 pounds. It could also be if their hormones aren't addressed. Yeah. So if you're hormonally messed up, that's forget genetics. And if that's not corrected, yeah. you're not going to see progress. And I, and I think training specific to what's going on hormonally, especially somebody that's really struggled chronically with, with these types of things mm -hmm. makes a big difference. But I think the younger you are, probably the easier it is to turn the tide on that. Yeah. Because uh, you don't get those ingrained patterns and accumulation of hormonal distress. I love all my clients, but I have one client that's blown anybody I've worked with out of the water. He's, I think he's 16. Uh -huh. And when we first started like a year and a half ago, he, the most exercises we could not do, it hurt his back. No muscle tone, didn't weigh a whole lot. And right now I actually don't have enough weight in my gym to challenge wow. him. I have to buy more plates. That's awesome. Uh, so we can't do any one rep max because it's not a challenge yeah. to him. But it was funny. I asked him, are you working out outside of here? And he said, yeah. I said, well, what are you doing? Are you following a program? He says, no, I'm just doing what you told me to do. And I went, holy shit, it works. <laughs> <laughs> This is yeah. so rare to have somebody actually do. 20 years in this everything. business. And finally, somebody listen. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say somebody has spent their life in uh, resistance training or weight training has been a part of it and they've bulked up and they've gotten to a place where they wanted to be. Now they're 50. Now they're 60. Is there a time where you need to transition? Otherwise, your body's just going to be like, no, nah, that muscle, that's going to be fat now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I've, I've hear that. We've reached that point in our life where it's just done. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not doing that anymore. We're converting. We're yeah. made of Laffy Taffy. I think hormones can change to where, you know, I think the concern is if you have too much muscle, can it start to be converted into fat as you age? Yeah. I think if it's not properly maintained, that's possible, especially if you dirty bulk. Yeah. But I've also seen guys in there like Philip Schluter. He's a big follower of Athlete X. He's in his like seventies and eighties. He could do fitness modeling competitions. Yeah. He's, he's just shredded. I've often wondered if it's not just a wives tale. Who is this person? I've never met them. Like they just got too old and all their muscle turned to fat. Yeah. If people are consistently working out, like I know guys in their seventies that still look yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's true. Brandon used to be very big on cherry picking about uh, heart health. Remember in our meeting? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned so much from you about heart health and saturated fats, but that's a whole nother topic. But what we found uh, when I was in school at East Carolina. And, hey, that's and, where I went. Yeah. Fellow yeah, pirate. Go pirates. I probably knew that at some point, but then I forgot. Yeah. It. Now I rediscovered it and yeah, I'm pretty excited. Hemorrhoids since then. Yeah, too many hemorrhoids. But when I was in school, we found that 
it was harder to gain muscle once you reached a certain age. And, and that is true. It is harder once you, for a male, once he reaches 50 years old or even 45 to put on muscle mass. However, those studies were done 30, 40, if not 50 years ago. Who was strength training that long ago besides working on a farm? So, of course, nobody was putting on muscle mass at that age because nobody was weight training. Now yeah. you walk into a gym and you see a 65, 70-year-old guy who's doing good, solid back squats with a good amount of weight on there, at least his body weight, if not more, deadlifting with proper form, bench pressing on with yeah. various movements. So I, I feel like that was cherry-picked back in the day. Yeah. Now it's rare to see, yeah. but like Brandon addressed earlier, as long as you attack those hormones earlier and make sure they're in line, you should be good as long as you make the right lifestyle changes. Yeah, and I'm sure testosterone is a big factor. And yeah. so a lot of people, when they retire, what do they do? They don't have a schedule anymore. So a lot of times they, most of the retired people I know, they're watching TV till two in the morning, Yeah, uh, which causes a significant drop off of growth hormone and testosterone. Mm -hmm. All And then zinc drops off, which is a precursor, serotonin, vitamin D, all those things play a part. So if you're throwing your circadian rhythm off for years and years, that's going to have a dramatic impact on testosterone, which can also impact muscle growth. And yep. the largest spike of growth hormone we get is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. naturally. So if you're awake during that period, you're getting less and less of that growth hormone spike. So some of it could be habit related and that's affecting the hormones. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard you quote before, and I can't remember them, but studies that say that the benefits of strength training to as far as aging, and I think it had something to do with like bone density or something. Oh, yeah. Yes. So the, the myths don't really stack up. That's why I wonder if it's a wives' tale. Like people are like, it's really good to work out and do strength training and it's mm -hmm. really it helps you age. And then on the other side of it, it's like, where are all these people that just turn fat one day? <laughs> they were just like super yeah. ripped and then they're like, Bruh. yeah. <laughs> Afraid they're going to accidentally get big. Like, where's that person? Who's, <laughs> yeah, right. I worked out too hard. Dang it, I'm huge. Like, I've been trying to do that for years. I haven't got there. <laughs> that used to be my biggest concern with female clients. Like, I yeah. don't want big traps and I don't want big muscles. I'm like, you would have to really go out of your way God, to really? accidentally creatine and all kinds of stuff. Just, yeah, yeah it's not going to happen by accident. Yeah, look at uh, celebrities, Jessica Bill, Carrie Underwood. They are uh, built nearly perfect. Uh, of course, they're celebrities and they're eating proper and they have some of the best strength coaches around. And somebody but, follows them around and slaps cookies. We used to joke about that all the time. <laughs> nope, you're on contract. <laughs> nope. But they do solid strength training. They lift heavy weight. Uh, yeah. Squats, deadlift, you name it. But yeah, that's probably one of the biggest myths, I would say. Yeah, I have seen celebrities seem to be aging really well now. Like, I have to like always ask Alexa, like, how old is... How well, old is that some person? Of it might, yeah, like, some of it might 70. be Botox. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell though. Like you can tell when somebody's all stretched in weird places and some people just, oh, they're doing okay. Like they're looking. Right. Up. Let's play natural and not natural. Let's start with Barry Manilow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to get some hate mail. I better start. Well, like, I just saw a movie the other day with Sandra Bullock. Sandra yeah. Bullock. She yeah. went to ECU. She's a fellow pirate. Yep. So I saw Sandra Bullock. She got her on the podcast. Yesterday. She was with the guy that played Punisher and she was like playing an ex-criminal or whatever. And she looks super healthy. Yeah. Even yeah. playing like, so they had to make up her up because she's playing like a dirty criminal that just spent 20 years in prison. Yeah, yeah. And, but even through that, you're like, no, mm -hmm. you're looking pretty good. But yeah. I don't think she's had a bunch of work done. I think you can tell when people have. That's yeah. true. Was it two or three Super Bowls ago where like the entire internet exploded with these ladies just looking fit as crap? It was like <laughs> J-Lo, yeah. And oh yeah, I think it was two Super Bowls ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, J Lo and, and uh, Shakira. 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 Yep, Shakira. Right. yep. Everybody was like, yes. It was like an inspirational moment for the entire nation. <laughs> and then COVID happened. Yeah, COVID <laughs> happened. Everybody put on 20 pounds. <laughs>
I looked up fit old people on the Googles and I came across this article from the Today Show from 2016. So in 2016, they declare this guy the world's fittest 96-year-old, Charles Eugster. And he gives his like tips and everything and how to, to stay in weight. But he's still sprinting in his 90s. Wow. He's uh, he's very active. You see him in the gym. He doesn't look like he's 90 at all. Wow. He's got a Magnum PI mustache, but he's deadlifting and he's doing all the hard stuff at I wonder, 96. I wonder if that's the guy that did, what was it, the uh, crazy amount of time plank. It was like oh. a one hour plank or I want to say he was in his 90s. Maybe been the same guy. Maybe. It sounds like it. Yeah. I don't ever want to plank for more than two minutes. True. Yeah. That being said, I think if you can hold it for more than a minute or two, you should progress the plank yeah. to something more challenging. Yeah. Have your kids stand on your back or something. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But I'm like you. Yeah, after it reaches a certain amount of time, the point. Yeah. Yeah. When am I going to use this? <laughs> plank off. <laughs> Put it on your LinkedIn profile. I can plank for an hour and a half. You're hired. CEO material. As trainers, what percentage in your personal experience, because we're coming up on January, welcome to the new year, and probably a bunch of people who are listening are either thinking, I should get back to the gym or thinking about joining a gym. So in your personal experience, the people that stick with it long enough to see results, if you had to give a number out of 10, how many out of 10 do you think stick with it long enough to see results? Ooh. I'll let you go first. And I've had some years that are better than others, I feel yeah. like. And it depends on what 10 people you get. But probably on average, uh, two to three. Two to three? Yeah, two to three that are, are very focused. And then you'll have maybe half of those that go through the motions for the whole year, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where, yeah, they're working on They just haven't unlocked their true potential yet. I'd say two to three that really achieve their goals, five out of 10 going through the motions. Yeah, I'd say that's probably about accurate. I think a lot of my clients, if they're not in the room with me, they're not doing a lot on their own and they're okay with that. I'm not, but yeah, yeah, I would yeah. like for them to do more. And it's better because if they didn't have that accountability, they do nothing. Yep. Uh, so I have that subset of clients, but then I have some clients that are dedicated mm -hmm. and they take everything we learn because I'm a teacher. Yep. Anybody that stays with me past a couple months, it's not because they don't know what to do. Yep. I have an education degree. That's yep. what I'm passionate about. But, but if they stay with me past that, it's because they really value the uh, accountability aspect mm -hmm. and, and it's harder for them to motivate themselves on their own. Or they just, with having that set time and me being there, it makes it a priority in their calendar. So I think some of it just comes down to how many plates are they juggling? If you have kids and you have a high executive job and you're running around, I think it would be tough to set aside that harder. It's possible, but it's yeah. tough. Yeah, that's um, true. But so, yeah. So conversely then, same or question, travel. but slightly different. What percentage out of 10 would you say people that are, they're sticking with it, they're being consistent and they're doing what you say. So that includes like getting their hormonal stuff in balance and eating. What percentage of those people don't see results? That do what I say? I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. yeah. Or I've had, I, and this has been years ago, I've had clients that say they're doing exactly what I'm telling them. You know, they're no in the parking lot just slamming oh, yeah. Snickers. Nobody's looking. 100%. <laughs> like, no way. Stop on the way home before dinner for <laughs> yeah, pre-dinner exactly. whopper. Is that weird? What? I've been doing yeah. that for years. 
pre-dinner whopper that's a thing you don't want me to give that up <laughs> yeah i always see like on facebook they're like at a food truck or something yeah like i swear i ate clean all week <laughs> i don't know why i drank one glass of wine that was it <laughs> when you were starting out as a personal trainer versus where you are now what did you think you knew for certain and then found out later you were just completely wrong on Ooh, that's a good one i found out people don't care how much until you show how much you care I found that out for sure. Look at Brandon. This is the one of the most intelligent guys I know, especially when it comes to hormonal stuff, nutrition. But Brandon's also a good, genuine guy. He really cares for his clients. When they achieve, he feels like he achieves. And that's what most people care about. That's what they want. How many times have we seen people in the business to an extent that are very knowledgeable that just really just don't care? It happens. Yeah, it happens. And that's like everything you do in life too. It's not just with this profession. Yeah, I think it makes a difference. Like for my clients, like they're like family. We go to dinner together. Yeah. We have game night. We it's mm -hmm. We're constantly involved. But there's two things. I'm going to say one thing for nutrition and one thing for strength. Nutrition, we, you come out of certifications and stuff. All right, you got to eat three meals a day with two snacks and it's got to be this way. And these things are good foods. And that was completely wrong. There's a subset of people where that does work for, but everybody is individually unique. And it needs to be catered specific to their body. So that was my first thing. Because I remember my first couple times discussing nutrition, it was this templated thing. Mm -hmm. All right. It worked really well for this person. This person saw no results and hates me. So right. They're like, I can't eat that much protein. <laughs> um, and then strength-wise, I thought it was free weights or bust. And I've talked about this on the show a few times. I do think that there's more value to them, but at the end of the day, it's what will keep you in the gym going. Mm -hmm. And if you really like machines and you're going to do machines and freaking do machines. Yep. I agree um, 100%. Yeah. And I think there's tremendous value to both. Yep. Uh, machines are going to be great at targeting specific muscle groups. I think they're really valuable when you have to get around injuries and you may not want to have to stabilize something. Or if you're working on symmetry, then you can get more imbalances. There's all kinds of benefits to machines. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think, and that's what I, and I'm, I'm sure you did as well, but now at Lifetime, I, I try to do a good amount of onboarding sessions with new members that come into the club that are looking to achieve certain goals. And, and that's one of the questions I ask every time. What do you like to do? And what do you hate to do in the gym? Yeah. Because if they absolutely hate machines, they don't want to do machines. I'm not going to have them do machines. Yeah. Because that that'd be like that would be pointless. They yeah. would hate me after that, and they wouldn't want to reach their <laughs> goals and, and work possibly work out with me to achieve their goals. So I always try like to find out what they like and what they dislike, yeah. and then go from there, and then base the program off of that. Of course, and of course, if they're like, I don't like. Some things we got to work around. <laughs> I have two distinct memories. Uh, my first year as a trainer, um, taking like. Moms that haven't worked out in years and that are terrified of the gym over to the cable crossover yeah. um, area and they're terrified and it's, it gets them really nervous about the pulley system and how mm -hmm. to adjust everything. And so they're confused, they're uncomfortable, they're like, yeah, functional training, yeah, standing yeah. position, you get more done. And But then they don't come back and I'm like, I don't know why I'm not converting any clients. It's because I wasn't listening to that part. And making yeah. sure I was considering what are they motivated to do? Let's start right. there and grow from there. Yeah. I've been there before. Yeah. You have to learn the hard way sometimes. <laughs> Every time I have a consult, I do ask, what exercises do you enjoy? Yeah. What exercises don't you enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. And let's find some kind of balance. Yeah. And I used to never ask. That was not one of my questions. Probably my like first three, four years into being a coach, a train. I feel like I never asked that. It was just like you said. Oh, this is perfect for them. It's functional. They'll really like this. They'll get the most benefit and they might will get the best benefit out of it. 
If they were motivated to do it. If they were motivated <laughs> to do it, exactly. Uh, if they're not going to come back and they absolutely hate it and they feel like that's the only way they have to train, they're going to be like, oh, just do something else. Yeah. I'm not going to do this. But sometimes you learn the hard way. Yeah. Now, Jared, what does your personal strength routine look like? How often, frequency, what are your sets and reps, exercise selection? What does all that look like? Because I would love to look like you. When I first really got into weight training after high school, it was standard bodybuilding, split routine, legs one day, back one day, shoulders back, uh, the classic split routine, five days a week. But as I got older and I got more knowledgeable, it's turned into classic strength and conditioning workouts. Now, of course, there may be days where I train, I do mostly upper body or I do mostly lower body. But right now I do, uh, my, I focus on my big movements, my squat, my deadlift, uh, squat, hinge, and some, some form of bench press, barbell bench press, or even overhead. And then I work in all accessory movements and I might even throw in some metabolic conditioning. For me now that I'm older, I really want to feel good. And for me doing a split routine all the time, I was tight, I was sore and mobile all the time. And I just wanted to do something for myself where I can continue to build muscle. I'd already had the foundation. I didn't need to build much more. Now it's just all about continuing to look good, but feel good. That was yeah. my thing. So for me, being CSCS, you look at it, you say uh, classic strength and conditioning workouts where I can do full body workouts all throughout the week. It's And of course, sometimes you focus on one thing in particular, but that's going to be the best benefit for me. As far as reps, when it comes to big strength movements, squat, uh, deadlift, bench press, I usually stay low volume, believe it or not. I might work in a couple of fill sets, warm-up sets. Well, low. how many sets and, and reps are you doing? It, it changes each month, each week, whatever program I'm following. But for the most part, I'm doing, say, back squat, which is one of my favorite movements. I'm doing, and I try to do it all throughout the week. I'm probably doing anywhere from five to eight sets. Now, with that being said, it's two warm-up sets and then maybe five or six sets of three to five reps at a certain percentage. And sometimes I even superset that with pull-ups or something completely different that might be upper body. But I stay really low volume on that. Now, when it comes to accessory movements, dumbbell bench, dumbbell low row, those type of movements, pull-ups, dips, I usually stay high volume for those, anywhere from eight to even 15 sometimes, depending sets? on the day. Or, or reps. Oh, reps. Gotcha. Yeah, but I usually just do three, maybe <laughs> <Great>. four. Set? <laughs> like, wow. I've done like German volume training where you do 10 sets of 10 and then yeah, 10 sets crazy. of five. It's fun, but it's tedious. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, I get bored very quickly. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's another thing too, Brandon, is for me as a coach, I like to just switch it up. Yeah. I do a program for a month now, especially where I'm at in my fitness level and in my career. I could probably stand to do a program for four months and then change it up. I don't have to do much longer than that. So for the most part, I change it up. I constantly change it up so I don't get bored because I'm already at the gym all day, all day essentially, yeah. all throughout the week. <laughs> it's my job. Yeah. So for me, you've been at work all day and now you got to work out and you got to do a similar workout to what your client just did. And you just got to repeat it for yourself. So I like to switch it up and, and do different things. Now, the last thing I want to ask you, and we ask every guest if, you met somebody who's trying to make a positive health change. What are the top three things you would have them? I briefly touched on this earlier when I was talking about a new year's resolutions. And I think this should be for anybody. I just got back into doing it. I used to do it all the time and all my goals were achieved from this. But the number one thing is to write your goals down. You can type them out. You can write them out old school. You can laminate it, however you want to do it, but write your goals down, keep them simple, write them down. And then, Realize it's a journey and just stay consistent with it. That's the second thing. 
know it's going to take a while. I know it's a lifestyle change and you're in it for the long haul. So stay consistent with it. And then the third thing is to just work hard. Know it's not going to be easy. Know Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, had to put in hard work to look like he did and hours and hours of beating on his craft. Not saying anybody wants to look like The Rock or they want to look like The Rock, but it still takes hard work. Whatever your goals are, the third thing is just to work incredibly hard. He eats a lot of cod, like a tremendous <laughs> amount of cod. It's insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> they they published his diet one time in like Men's Health Magazine. It was absurd. What now, do you, you think it's just omega-3? Yeah, and protein. There's tons of protein, omega-3. Now, if somebody wanted to contact you, how and maybe they want to get a consultation, maybe train with you, Yeah, how would they find you? They can always shoot me an email at jboyette at lt.life. Most people contact me through Instagram or Facebook, so they could just follow Jared Boyette through Instagram or Facebook as well. But those are the ways they can reach out to me. Yeah, and being at Lifetime, I was there for about five years, mm-hmm. and I probably saw close to 100 and something trainers come and go in that time. Yeah. Uh, now, I could say with absolute confidence that Jared is a fantastic trainer, and he's somebody I would feel comfortable somebody training with. He's doing things right. Um, he's super organized, super professional. Nothing you do with your clients is random. There's a reason behind it. Hey, if you want to work out in a premium club like Lifetime Fitness with an amazing trainer, check out Jared Boyette. Appreciate it. If you guys get a lot of value out of this show or any other show we've done, something that helps other people find us is leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So feel free to do that. We'll we'll read your review on the show. Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll read your review. Yeah, why not? Or you can just give us five stars and not write a review. We'll we'll take that too. (laughs) But if you write what you like about it and other people are trying to find a health and fitness show, that can help them out a lot. So feel free to do that. Thanks, Strange Radio, for this review. That episode with Lily Ward was great. Great episode with Lily Ward. She was very informational about her skincare and health journey. Had some great advice at the end about what three things people should do to get started. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.